We pray for Pastor Anthony as he comes to bring the word to us this morning. Today's scripture takes us to another time when there was a storm. And the storm this time is different. It, this story actually appears in three of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and John. And, but in one of the Gospels, uh, we probably know the story best is in the Gospel of Matthew, where the storm happens and Jesus comes walking to the disciples on the water. But Peter bids Jesus to have him walk on the water. And you know the story, how Peter got out of the boat and started to walk on the water. I told the pastor after he preached a couple of weeks ago that he was so graphic that I was sitting in the pew getting seasick. I have never been a great person to be on the water. I, I like the water, but it really needs to be pretty calm. Uh, I, I have to confess to you today that I did attempt one time to walk on water. Thirty-some uh, years ago, I was pastoring not far from here, and one of the uh, fellas was a duck hunter. And he wanted me to go duck hunting with him and another fellow from the church up at a place on Saginaw Bay called Fish Point. And so, if you know anything about duck hunting, three o'clock in the morning is about the time you have to get up. And he had the boat, the other fella had a retriever dog. I had my uh, warm hunting suit on, camouflage suit. The decoys were all there. That summer we had had a drought and the water levels were way down. And so we put the boat in and we headed out to the place where we were going to hunt. Well, it was dark and the fellow missed the turn where he was supposed to go with the boat and we ended up on a sandbar. And he said, well, this is no problem. He had waders. If you know anything about fishing or hunting, waders are rubber boots that come up to your chest. And, and he got out of the boat and he started pushing. It didn't go anywhere. Now, I was new at that church and he said to me, he said, uh, <clears throat> I was sitting in the middle of the boat. He said, Pastor, would you kind of move to the back of the boat? So I scrambled and I got toward the back of the boat. He's pushing and tugging, it doesn't move. He says, try, try going to the front of the boat. So I will move to the front of the boat. Still, no movement. He said, Pastor, would you lay down in the boat, kind of spread your weight out? I'm laying in the boat looking eyeball to eyeball at a retriever. <laughs> and I said to him, behave yourself. <laughs> he pushes and tugs and that boat was not moving. I looked at him, his name was John. I said, John, there is only one solution to this problem. He said, what's that, Pastor? I said, I've got to get out of the boat. He said, did you bring waiters? I said, nope. 
It was cold out. He said, what are you going to do? I took my hunting suit off. I didn't have a lot under my hunting suit. <laughs> I jumped in the water. I did not walk on water, but I did not drown either. And the boat came up. We pushed it off the sandbar. I dried myself off the best that we could, and I think we got a duck or two that day. <laughs> Today's story probably took place just days or weeks later after the first boat incidents. We, we find that the same disciples, probably they were in the exact same boat, on the same body of water, when a very similar storm arose. There was one big difference between that story and this story. That time, Jesus was in the back of the boat, asleep. This time, Jesus was safely on land. His disciples were frantically rowing to try and save their lives. It seems that they must have forgot some valuable lessons from the earlier storm. But it's interesting to note that since the first storm, they had witnessed Jesus healing a demon-possessed man. They saw him raise the daughter of a synagogue leaders, uh, uh, of one of the synagogue leaders from the dead. They saw the healing of a woman that had been sick for 12 years just when she touched the hem of his garment. And just before this storm, I'm talking not days, I'm talking hours before this, he had a crowd of 5,000 gathered, and uh, the disciples said, send them away so they can get something to eat. He said, you feed them. They said, we don't have enough money. It would take a lot of uh, time for us to work to get enough money just to feed them one meal. He said, what do you have? They said, we, they looked around, they found out they had two little fish and five loaves. And Jesus took those and he broke them and gave them to disciples. And they fed that multitude with that little bit. But they seem to have forgotten those lessons in the midst of the storm. Most of us would have been thrilled to have a front row seat to just one of these miracles. But here are the disciples who have not only seen the power of God, but have witnessed firsthand what Jesus could do. They forgot to learn some valuable lessons from the storm. I know today, as Pastor John prayed, that some of you are going through storms. A storm in your life that uh, you hadn't planned on. And it may have you questioning everything about God. Just like the disciples in the earlier storm story, you may be thinking or even shouting out to God like they did, don't you even care that we're going to drown? Well, today's story should remind us of three valuable lessons we need to learn from these disciples and from God as we face the storms of our lives. 
The first lesson is, just because there's a storm, it doesn't mean we are outside of God's will. Notice what the disciples were doing and why they were doing it. They were heading back over the Sea of Galilee. Why were they doing that? It was night. Why, why, why did they do that? Why did they choose that time to do that? Well, they didn't choose it. God, Jesus, told them to do it. It says in Mark 6, 45, immediately after this, in other words, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted the disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. Well, he sent the people away. Many people have the mistaken idea that if something bad happens in our lives, it's because we have unconfessed sin in our life. Friends, I want you to know today that being a disciple of Jesus Christ does not inoculate us from sickness or disease. It does not shield us from job loss, or does it mean that everything will always turn up roses? These men were experienced boatmen, and they knew that a storm could arise at any time on that body of water where they had previously made their living. They had no, they had no uh, Coast Guard-approved life jackets, no National Weather Service to tell them of an impending storm, no GPS to navigate when they just, all they had was the Word of God to go across the lake. I find that verse 46 somewhat amusing, but also telling. I like this. After telling everyone goodbye, talking about Jesus, he went up into the mountains by himself to pray. When I read that, I thought of our own Pastor Prince. You see, on a Sunday morning, Pastor Prince is always the first one here. On Sunday, when the last amen said, the last one here is Pastor Prince. But make no mistake, when you walk out the door, you have not left his memory. He does what Jesus did, and he prays for you and me. I don't know for sure what Jesus was praying about, but I suspect he was probably praying for the disciples. I've learned in my life that the greatest times of spiritual growth don't happen when everything is calm. But when the boat was sit rocking and the only one I have had to look to is Jesus, that's when spiritual growth happens in my life. I remember a time when I was in Nazarene Bible College preparing for ministry. I was 26 years old, energetic, I was going to school full-time, I worked full-time, I volunteered, I taught a Sunday school class at our church and I volunteered with the youth, youth uh, department. We had just hired a new youth pastor and we were all excited about this. He was a little bit older than your normal youth pastor. And I remember one Sunday morning soon after he came, I was outside my Sunday school room talking to some people, some other Bible college students, when this youth pastor, who I barely knew, came up to me and just reamed me out. 
I don't know why. I don't know to this day what he was upset with me about. I'm such a likable guy. Who could get mad at me? I went home that day and I said to Marilyn, I said, Marilyn, we're going to find another church. And that night, we went to another church. It was a good service. A lot of the Bible college students went to that church. I sat down, and you know who came and sat next to me? No, God. And you know what he said to me? He said, uh, <clears throat> so you're going to leave the church when somebody gets upset with you, huh? You're going to be a pastor, are you? Well, you better keep your bags passed, bucko, because you're going to be moving a whole lot. And I sat in that service, and I repented. I don't know that the, other, the fellow ever came back and apologized to me. That wasn't what it was all about. You see, I had to learn that lesson that in the midst of the storm, and I'm glad for that storm that day because it served me well throughout my ministry, that you can depend on God. People aren't always going to like you or always going to agree with you. They may be times when they get upset with you. But in the midst of the storm, we can stay in the center of God's will. Not only were they in the center of God's will, but just because there's a storm, it doesn't mean that we're out of God's sight. Notice in verse 47 of 40, verses 47 and 48 of Mark 6. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. I love these next two words, next three words. He saw, he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. I love the assurance of God's word that in the midst of the storm, God is there. One of my favorite chapters of the Bible is Romans 8. We all know that Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But in that one chapter, Romans 8, there are so many powerful verses of assurance. One of the passages, which is one of my favorites, is if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and raised to life for us. And he is setting, listen to this, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Notice what he's doing, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity 
or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with debt or in a boat in the middle of a storm. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Whatever storm, whatever crisis, whatever difficulty you are going through, remember this. Jesus sees you and is now making intercession for you. Prayer makes a difference. And Jesus was praying for the disciples. He saw what they were going through. He knows what you're going through. I, uh, during this pandemic, uh, many of our seniors, we were isolated. So I decided back early on to write a, a newsletter every day. My wife has been uh, encouraging me, that's a good word, encouraging me to uh, write some of the stories of my life. So I decided I'd do that and include those in the newsletter. I didn't know that I'd, at, when I finally downsized from every day, I had written 75 newsletters with 75 different stories. One of the stories was when I was pastoring in Detroit area. We had a lady in the church that was um, uh, had kidney failure. She was on dialysis. Now this was uh, 35, 40 years ago. They didn't have everything they have available, technology and, and medical help that they have today. And uh, she would have to go for dialysis several times a week. Well, she went in and it failed. And they could not do anything for her. In fact, the family was called in and they said, uh, she's not gonna make it. And they said, it's probably just a matter of a couple days. But Aina was a tough old bird. And she hung on and hung on. She was in a coma, but she hung on and hung on and hung on. And it would always come to church. Uh, once in a while, her husband would come with her, but he didn't profess to be a believer, and, and most of the time, he didn't come. One Friday night, uh, while this was all going on, Marilyn and I had gone out someplace, and I said uh, uh, to Marilyn, I said, I don't know why God doesn't just take Ana home. She wants to die. My wife, who always comes up with wisdom, says she doesn't want to die. I said, well, how do you know that? She said, because she told her best friend she didn't want to die. Well, why doesn't she want to die? She's ready to meet the Lord. She said, because if she dies, there would be no one to pray for her husband to become a Christian. And... She, her friend said to her, well, I'll pray for your husband to become a Christian. She said, well, I know you will, but you won't pray for him the way I pray for him. I said to Marilyn, why didn't you tell me this? She says, what difference does it make? The next morning, I called down to the hospital and asked the nurse if uh, Herb was there. And she went and got him. 
I said, Herb, are you going to be uh, at the hospital for a while? Well, I'm going to go home in a little while, uh, get cleaned up, and then come back later today. I said, could you wait just a little bit? I'm going to run down to the hospital. I want to talk to you. I got there, and I took him out in the hall, and I told him that story. I said, Herb, you may be preventing your wife from going to heaven. I said, why aren't you a Christian? He bowed his head, and a tear came down his cheek. He said, I tried to be a Christian when I was younger, Pastor, and I failed God, and I'm not going to do that again. I said, most of us have failed God someplace along the line. I said, why don't you just accept Jesus into your heart? And with tears running down his cheek, he prayed that day and asked Jesus back into his life. I said, Herb, let's go in and tell Ana what you've just done. She was in a coma. But friends, I'm always careful what I say around a person in a coma because I believe they still hear. And he grabbed her hand and told her that he had accepted Jesus as her savior. I got a call just a couple hours later that Anna had slipped into glory. I believe it was because her prayer was answered and her husband now was right with the Lord. Whatever storm, whatever crisis, whatever difficulty you're in, just remember this, you're not out of God's sight. Finally, just because they're a storm doesn't mean you're out of God's reach. Don't you imagine that it crossed the disciples' mind a few times in that night that they should have insisted that Jesus get in the boat with them? In the earlier storm boat story, every, uh, Jesus was always on board, and all they had to do was wake him up. Here he might as well have been a million miles away. There's several important things that we need to observe in this part of the story. We need to remember that Jesus has control over everything, even the elements. We need to remember that if Jesus can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000, he can provide for your needs and for my needs. If Jesus can walk on water, he can reach you in the midst of your storm. Remember this, Jesus is more concerned with us staying calm than calming the storm that we're in. Notice what he said before he climbed into the boat as he walked to them on water. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Jesus wants us to get it. What do I mean by that? The end of the story concludes by saying they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. What was the significance? The significance was, fellas, Jesus can do anything. Whatever your situation, whatever your problem, whatever your crisis, just keep trusting Jesus. As I look over this congregation today, 
I know some of you are going through a storm. Some of you that are watching by live stream are going through a storm. Our country is going through a storm. I want to encourage you today. Don't give up on Jesus. He still wants to continue His will in your life. He sees what you're going through. And He wants to reach you and reach out to you and calm your troubled hearts. You know, you say, well, what happens? Here we had Rick Stewart's brother died this week, a good Christian man, a man who was faithful in reaching out to the, the uh, less fortunate of our community. Every Monday or Tuesday, I'd come in, and Rick and his brother Mike would be gathering up the things that you had dropped off for the mission every week and taking them. He'd do anything. Why did God allow that to happen? I think we have to have a bigger view. This world isn't our home. We're citizens of heaven. And when we get to heaven, it's all going to fit into place. We're going to realize why the storm, why things didn't happen quite the way we wanted to. Friends, we need to just keep trusting God. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're going through a storm and you'd like to acknowledge you need Jesus to come and calm your heart and calm your situation, as I pray, just stand where you're at. Just if you need that special touch from him, he wants to reach out to you. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you today thanking you for this uh, story that's been recorded in your word. It reminds us that even when you seem like you're a million miles away, you still see what's going on in our life. Help us, Lord, to do what you tell us to do, just like those disciples. You said, get in the boat, go to the other side. And even though it was tough going, they were doing what you told them to do. But help us, Lord, to remember that you're still in control and it's going to be okay. We commit those today that are in this sanctuary, some of them standing, many at home that are watching by live stream that are going through the storm of their life. We just pray that you would be with them and watch over them. Come to them and give them that word of assurance that you gave to those disciples, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Bless us as we go into this week. We don't know what it holds, but we know who holds this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And God bless you, and have a good day.